It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Futures pretty steady. Uh, active news flow today. Uh, some debt ceiling optimism as talks resume tomorrow. Uh, softer inflation prints in Europe and Asia. Upgrades of Schwab, Meta and DuPont. Our roadmap begins with the macro outlook, though. Investors eyeing new hopes for a D.C. debt ceiling compromise. And Atlanta Fed President Bostic casting some doubts on rate cuts this year, even if there is a recession. Plus, we've got some deals today. Newmont gets that green light for one of the world's largest buyouts so far this year. And One Oak's going to buy Magellan. It's a $19 billion pipeline deal. Jim will have some things to offer on that. Sure. And as well, we're going to hear about Adobe's push into AI. CEO Shantanu Narayan will join us later in the hour to talk about that. Let's start with this uh, new market week, including these debt ceiling talks and a bunch of retail earnings. Jim, you've been... I would say worried about uh, the X date, and I wonder if any of these reports about so-called progress uh, resonate with you. I need to hear it from the Republicans, particularly from Speaker McCarthy, because Speaker McCarthy's on thin ice if he makes a deal here. Uh, the sitting president who has, uh, who's, has a recession or inflation has, if it's first term, has historically lost. So I don't understand why uh, Speaker McCarthy would want to come to this deal unless Biden's surrendering. If Biden's surrendering, I get that. David, if Biden's surrendering, this market's going to be up a lot more. This market is not showing me a surrender by Biden. And I'm making that point surrender because, remember, uh, you deter- whoever can claim that they caused your Social Security check to not go and doesn't have any gravitas, well, the other guy wins. So if, if Speaker McCarthy says, you know what, you didn't get your Social Security check because of, because of Biden, well, that's who people will believe. They tend to believe the, that the president has not delivered, not Congress. So that makes it so Biden would be surrendering. And I don't know if he's going to. Remains unclear. I, you know, well, I but this, all of it's us been wish percolating we had, all night. I know, wish we had some, some level of, uh, of uh, ability to really understand exactly what's going on. But totally. it's hard to know. Well, I mean, I was, looking my hands at, up. I was looking at Mike Wilson, who, look, I... Mike is, I think, he's a force, and he's saying he's, he's talking Morgan's to a lot of people. Yep. And he said, meanwhile, there are several clients who are incrementally more worried about a recession this year and other potential risks to growth or markets. Such risks include the debt ceiling. Most of it will believe it will get resolved, but not without some near-term volatility. Well, we haven't had the near-term volatility. That, I think, would be the next few days. Of course, the president's going away. So if we have near-term volatility, then I think people are going to say, we don't have a deal. We'll never get a deal. And the next thing you know, we're going to get script if we own 30-day paper. So you said you are working on a playbook, a, a default playbook. Yes. Can you t- share what that might look like? Absolutely. Um, we have a very definitive group of stocks that did quite well in 2011. Uh, and these were ones that had been going well, then dropped like everything else during the period involving September to, the, to October, and then radically recovered. And they almost all look like um, Biogen or like Sarepta does this morning. Uh, literally nothing to do with the economy because people just believed very strongly that uh, the sequestration followed by the debt downgrade would mean that we were having a recession. We did not have a recession, but these stocks performed extraordinarily well. So I'm putting that list together for this evening just because I think people don't understand the, the depth of, of uh, 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 really of uh, almost 
cosmic proportions of how people felt that the sequestration and the debt downgrade would bring. A lot of people were very concerned that, that there would be no currency, that there would be, um, that if you had six-month paper, you might not get paid. So, David, I mean, that was a level of concern. We, we tend to forget how bad it was. And the sequestration, by the way, was very serious. Remember the big cutbacks in defense? We never saw that before. Mm-hmm. There's a big, I'm doing a piece tonight about cutbacks in defense, saying that we saw them for real, and those stocks are down horribly this year, despite the fact that there's been a tremendous buildup of weaponry in Ukraine. So I, 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 I'm taking this a little more seriously than most, just because I remember 2011 as being a time when people just said, wow, it's not just Social Security, it's not just Medicare, maybe it's the actual functioning of the well, government. It is important to remind people that if entitlements are off the table in terms of things that are being will, willing to consider for cuts, and defense is also off the table, you have a very There's small percentage much. of the budget left from much. which you can really exact significant cuts that would make a difference. And so that perhaps makes it more difficult to reach some sort of a compromise. Again, a lot of people still believe that we're going to just get this punted to the fall where you can That's at least the combine the budget process and the debt ceiling bring it to that point, at least the two sides can say, well, now we're negotiating around the same thing. Well, that may be if you're if you're leaving, as, as President Biden's leaving for a while, uh, you may have to do that, and that puts Janet Yellen on the hot seat. But I just, what I don't like is, is that if this is over our heads for the, a long time, then all that's going to happen is, is that this is what will be thought about. Uh, and I've got to tell you, if I were President Biden, I'd be very concerned because there is an election next year. Yeah. That's uh, beginning already. Right. Uh, and, the campaigns. And, I, you know, the early reads that I'm getting are, look out, President Biden. You may not, you may not have it locked up. It's a long way away. Well, I'm just so saying, much to happen between now away, and then. But, but this is a bad thing for a sitting president. If you yep. feel that it's going to be over. You made that point. You can't, you can't do anything other than, what, well, as you said, there's no money. Yeah. So what do you, what you know, you just kind of have a lot of meetings about how well, the union president or something. Meanwhile, Tudor Jones sees a trading range for the S&P for the next God knows how long. Did you hear but that? Look, there's never been. Have you ever seen a billionaire come on the show and say, you know, this is your opportunity? <laughs> well, he did have positive things to say about uh, A.I., and productivity, uh, the kinds of booms no, that we've true. only seen a few times in the last 75 years. And he did say that the Fed can probably declare victory here. Take a listen. They could probably declare victory now. Because if you look at CPI, it's been declining 12 straight months. 12 straight months. That's never happened before in history. So there's a strong downward arc to inflation at the moment. Two-year break-evens are under 2%. Clearly, they have to be governed by trailing 12-month inflation. But if we get to the here and now, you can see that inflation, to a great extent, has been wrung out of the market. Although people looking at Empire today, down 31, we're looking well, for down three. Right. Well, we're at that curious moment. I did a piece for, um, I did a piece for our investment club saying, listen, don't be scared. You're going to see a series of really negative numbers, meaning down negative numbers, where you're going to see real deflation. And what people are going to do is say, well, that is recession. Uh, we're going to be speaking to Shantun Narayan later today. And the numbers that we're seeing for a lot of different retail are very negative. But remember, it's wages, and we've not seen a declaration on wages yet, just on prices. But that's positive for consumers and arguably GDP. Well, I think it is positive for consumers, but I'm just saying that if I were Bostic this morning, 
Well, he's talking about no cuts until late 24. So I'm saying, all right, so I'm listening to Paul Tudor Jones, and I agree with Paul Tudor Jones. But then I have to listen to an interview with Steve Leisman with Bostick, and he's saying, hey, listen, you know, forget it. Longer forever. And I let's, just, let's li- actually, why don't we let's, listen to let, that? Let's listen to Bostick speaking to Steve Leisman this morning. My baseline case is we won't really be thinking about cutting till well into 2024. Uh, I think what we're going to see is just an orderly decline. I'm hoping that we see what we've seen over the last several months, where inflation has come from a very high level to now it's just a high level. But even if you, if you look at most measures of inflation, um, there's still two times where our target is. And so there's a long distance still to go. But see, that's the problem. When you go over the actual CPI, you know, you see, you see a parallel at point three, but, but you, know, you can talk to all the apparel companies. You're not going to get this. is what I was saying last week about the actual numbers. Rental is yes. Remember, it's not homes and CPI, it's rents. And rents are up. Avalon Bay upgraded today. Why not? Terrific place to be because rents keep going higher. But away from that, you, you really want to focus on used cars. I, I think that the focus is on the fact that when you look at if, if Tesla is cutting price, now, I'm not going to say that, that used cars are a problem. I would tell you, David, that Bostick's wrong, that right. we will be cutting sooner than that. But I don't want to. But the one thing I don't want to do is say that it's that we'll avoid. I, uh, I'm saying we're going to avoid a recession. That's Tesla, Tesla, Tesla has dynamic pricing, basically. I mean, they're like an airline uh, at this well, point. What do you think? They, I, you know, he says they get real time. I mean, he said this on the call, Elon Musk. They get real time. <laughs> information. There's no latency, unlike all the other automakers, and therefore they're making their pricing decisions in the moment. Unless I get that from him, I don't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to have that opportunity, and we're very much looking forward to it because we can't tell you tomorrow we are, or I'm going to be sitting down with uh, Elon Musk after the company's annual meeting. Uh, Tesla's annual meeting will be taking place, of course, in Austin the Gigafactory, and uh, we're going to have an opportunity to sit down with Elon Musk. Congratulations. That's very good. um, What we're hoping is at least 45 minutes. That's the scheduled time. He makes his own schedule, of course, Uh, does Elon. He sets his own schedule. He's incredible. Did he he choose Um, to preempt me because he thinks I'm a hologram? Uh, he, you know, we, he didn't discuss that. But yeah, whether it's even or not worse. He thinks you're a I'm, I'm the lowest uh, of the low. <laughs> uh, but um, congratulations. But uh, uh, sit down with him to talk about. By the way, uh, nothing's off limits when it comes to Musk, and he's always willing to talk about anything. But my expectation is, of course, we will start Carl with discussion of Tesla in part and pricing, and see what else comes out of their annual meeting tomorrow because we'll be dis- we'll be talking after it takes place. Yep. Uh, the new uh, new model in some cases of actual production, which is getting attention in the industry. How exciting is that? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, there's any, I mean, I could talk to him. We all could for three hours. I mean, when you start Tesla and then Twitter, the new CEO, you want to talk SpaceX, oh, from Starlink, NBC? you want to talk AI. And then given he is the most consequential businessman on the planet, there's just an incredible amount of interest in general in him. So, uh, there's no way we'll get enough time, but we're uh, certainly looking forward to whatever we can in terms of sitting we'll down with Elon Musk tomorrow. Can, my and friend. thank you, my friend, for giving up some time oh, tomorrow. We will be live, and as it turned out, it will be Eastern time, right at, very uh, right at Jim's show. So I'm taking over Mad Money for a night. <laughs> you know what? It's all yours. Jeopardy, Mad. What's yeah. next? Yeah. To see him will be uh, the ultimate in stop trading. Should be it should be fascinating. I'm so really, thrilled that you got really this. very much looking forward to it as you might imagine. It's been a long time sure. in coming, but uh, we will uh, we'll let you know and we'll uh, be seeing you from Texas tomorrow evening. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, meantime, we got 42% of retail market cap reposting earnings this week, Jim, and we'll kick things off tomorrow with Depot and Target and Walmart the next day. 
It's going to be hard. Uh, there's been so much negativity about Target that I almost feel like, well, wait a second. Maybe they can do some, some surprise. Walmart, I think, is going to have a very strong quarter. Walmart Plus might talk about some numbers that are really surprisingly high. I know Amazon's concerned about how good Walmart Plus is doing, which is why that stock has been so hot. I, I don't want to harp on that we have Shantanu, but boy, is he ever going to tell us some stories that are about certain areas of retail that are, this Shantanu Ryan from, from Adobe, certain areas of retail that are quite weak. It's all hard goods over and over, and I don't know how to explain how bad hard goods are other than to say that people have everything that they need. I mean, it's it's a very strange world when you have uh, sporting goods down, when you have appliances down. Now, Whirlpool is telling me that appliances aren't that bad, but I look at what Chantin is saying, and I say to myself that there is a real decline in spending. And we saw that from Bank of America last week. They talked about that. I, on the other hand, am seeing, look out, don't, don't buy into that. The Amazon and is, people are spending on Amazon, they're spending on Walmart, they're spending, uh, spending on Costco, spending in different places. Not, they're not spending at Best Buy. Sonos. Sonos decline was really yep. Sonos. Sonos had a rough time gui- but, with guidance there, yeah. But grocery is Walmart. Remember, grocery is Walmart and Costco, except 9% year over year Walmart. It's very important. And that's the, the advantage you would say they have over Target, at least, right? Yes. yes. We'll see. We're going to learn a lot in the next uh, 72 hours, at least in retail. When we come back, uh, we'll look at some of the deals of the day, totaling about $37 billion. And also ahead, as Jim said, Adobe. We'll talk some AI with Sean's new Narayan later on this hour. Uh, we'll talk some upgrades that we got today uh, of Schwab and Meta and some others. Uh, dollars coming off about a one-month high. More Squawk on the Street in a minute. Biggest ever M&A deal in the gold mining industry, Newmont agreeing to acquire Australia's Newcrest for $17.5 billion, comprising four-tenths of its own shares for each Newcrest share. Newmont says the transaction will boost its exposure to copper. Meantime, One Oak uh, to buy rival pipeline operator Magellan Midstream Partners for about $19 billion in cash, stock, and debt. One Oak, known for transporting nat gas, will now gain access to crude oil and refined products. Jim, which one is more interesting? Well... Look, uh, there's been some great consolidation in the gold stocks. It's interesting that they talk about copper. The originally, originally, when they were talking about copper, copper was going higher. But uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of consolidation in that industry. But I, I prefer to look at, for the first time in years, we have actual M&A in the, in the master limited pipeline issue. This used to be just you know, the denizen of very wealthy people who would use it as a tax shelter. And this is a deal, just so we know. This we is, should tell people 25 bucks a share in absolutely, cash. I'm sorry. Point six six seven zero shares of One Oak uh, per unit. They're saying a 22, uh, 22% premium to the price uh, on May 12th. Absolutely. I'm sorry to be... You, no, 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 no. no. Um, but it, these are two Tulsa companies. There's a, they're the pride of Tulsa, actually. One Oak is an amazing natural gas company. Magellan is a... Uh, refined products company. So these are very different industries getting together. There's a lot of misinformation about this deal. There is no pipe to the Permian. Okay, there's a lot of people who feel like this is the way to get to the Permian. This is just a combination of refined product and natural gas, but it's a good product. It's good. And it gives you an um, opportunity to go to the Gulf. Magellan Midstream has always been, many considered the best run master limited partnership. Uh, my friend Walter Holst is the CFO of One Oak. He was at our CFO council recently. He, uh, I, the team is sensational there. So I, I think it's a very good deal for Magellan, which has been hurt, by the way. They, they got hurt by FERC. Um, FERC was not going to let them do what they wanted. Now this is just a great combination. Uh, there is a consolidation down there that could start that would be awesome. 
because we don't have enough pipe out of Permian. We want everybody to send all their oil and natural gas and natural gas liquids to, to the Gulf so we can refine them, we can make plastic out of them, we can also um, export oil. This is all part of it. I think, I'm not going to tell them it's export oil because Magellan Ministry may have specific plans that we don't know. But this is a terrific deal for that, that segment that has been dormant. And since 2015, no growth in the pipeline business. So look out. Maybe finally we're going to get some growth from mergers. One Oak is a fabulous one company, and it's got a great yield. Okay. That's been fascinating, especially given the activity we've had in commodities. We'll talk about the DuPont upgrade in a bit How here do you as like well. That? Um, uh, we, yeah. I heard music. Are we going to break or no? You got- we got one more thing on M&A, yep. which is Microsoft, of course, most likely going to get EU approval for the Activision deal. Normally, that would be a headline for us. But given what's happened at uh, the UK and the CMA, which has said no to the deal, the EU, not unimportant. Perhaps Microsoft hopes somehow that it will continue to help, help them put pressure on the CMA for making a poor decision. But... Uh, most of the people that I speak to continue to believe that this it's is somewhere dead. between mostly dead and completely dead. Activision's CFO was in New York last week, making the rounds with various investors. Uh, and while he certainly did not indicate this, there was a takeaway that when this deal, when the current merger agreement expires in mid-July, Activision will be happy to walk away with what will be $3 billion in a reverse break fee and $18 billion on its balance sheet. They have cash, so much guys. cash. And then Holy the question cow. is, how much do you return to shareholders? How much do you keep because you're getting 5%? How much do you use for acquisitions? Very exciting, actually, to see what, <laughs> what they'll do. Fire not a seller? Company. Yeah. They're such a good company. Yeah. Uh, and that'll take us to, uh, the Microsoft piece at least, will take us to this downgrade of Alphabet over at Loop. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell and get a final look at futures here on this Monday. Don't go away. All right, seven minutes until we get started with trading here on a Monday at the New York Stock Exchange. Let's get to our mad dash this morning. There's a lot of jockeying about who's really going to be able to use AI, generative AI, to be able to change their fortunes. And Loop comes out today and says, let's think it's going to be meta, because meta is going to be able to get around the Apple restrictions and give you targeted uh, advertising. And that includes consumer product goods. That's whatever. That's the holy grail. I'm sure Lin- Linda Yaccarino at, at, uh, with Musk will want to talk about consumer packaged goods. But Meta lost a lot of that when it became very convoluted how you could get through the uh, Apple's privacy issues. No longer. It's really good for them. At the same time, they downgrade Alphabet. Now, this is because worries about Bing and taking share, Microsoft taking share away from Alphabet. Now, Alphabet's meanwhile has become kind of the Accenture for AI. If you want to bring in AI, you go to Alphabet. They've been able to figure out ways to be able to do it. So I don't know how much Alphabet's going to be hurt, but I do know that Meta's a big winner here. As you've continued to believe. I mean, and then there's there's only one company. I hate to come back to it. Microsoft. Well, yeah, there's one, but I was going to say there's only one company that everybody has to go to for their chips. Everyone must go to NVIDIA, and the H100, their chips, are so expensive that you'd have to believe that a Microsoft would like to team up with an AMD to make a cheaper chip. There's a growing question, Jim, as to whether, given the allocation that needs to be made to those chips and how much they cost, are there going to be cutbacks in other parts of the data center, for example, well, and or the spending in the cloud well, it's interesting from you say these that. providers? Um, NVIDIA is uh, it's Taiwan Semi. Uh, when I asked them how many H100s can they make, they said, we'll be working 24-7. There's, they're never going to be able to make enough H100s until they have the H200. Now, look, this is you can't do anything quickly without this. Right. 
There's nothing else is the power. Just imagine that one is a power plant and the other is currency. Yep, the old uh, GPU. All right, the opening bell, five minutes away. You can catch us anytime, anywhere. Listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. A short term is not a fix, is not uh, really addressing that core uncertainty that CEOs are talking about. It's just really important to take default and address it. And Congress has the tools to do that. They've done it again 78 times uh, previously. That's NEC Director Lael Brainerd yesterday on CBS's Face the Nation. Jim, to our earlier discussion about whether or not these staff talks are bearing fruit or not. Yeah, look, I don't want to belabor this. I just think that uh, we are in a situation, as David said, where it's like, well, where's the money going to come from? And the Republicans very much want a major change here. And this historically has not been the best way to do it. All they did, President, President Obama agreed to some very serious things that he didn't want to because he really wanted this done, including cutbacks in some of his major programs. I've not heard anything like that from this president, which is why I think there's really no negotiations going on whatsoever. Well, others would say uh, permitting reform is definitely in the mix. Right, uh, but that's... Some of the unspent COVID money. The harder lifts are things like work requirements and social programs. Yes. I mean, look, the permitting spending reforms, caps. that was... Uh, Senator Manchin got very fooled on that. I think he'll be fooled again. I think he doesn't understand the environmental concerns that face him. As much as I think he's in the right, it doesn't matter what I think. Uh, I, look, I, I just think that what you need to hear is from the speaker. If we hear from the speaker, then it's cold. But the speaker said nothing. He said absolutely nothing. That's what I care about. Let's get to the opening bell here and the CNBC real-time exchange with the big board. It's RB Global celebrating its name change from Richie Brothers Auctioneers. Yes. Very big. Over at the NASDAQ uh, AGNC Investment, a residential mortgage REIT celebrating its 15th anniversary. Watching actually some discussion over the weekend about uh, commercial and how, thank goodness for warehousing right now, Jim, because it's pretty much the only kind of REITs that are up. Well, I, I do think that some of the uh, commercial, some of the, the real estate for uh, department stores and for shopping malls are good and for uh, apartment buildings. Now, the shopping malls are not, the stocks aren't doing well, but it's not. But Like the strip mall, Kimco. But Tanger's doing well, which is outlet mall. David, I, it, is, it is discouraging to realize that how much commercial space when you see in all the cities, because I also, I don't want to dwell too much on it, but like there was a Target that just closed in Philadelphia. We really don't know the exact circumstances, but a Target that I went to in, uh, on mission in San Francisco, dangerous, dangerous places. The inner city is becoming a battle between retail that doesn't want to stay or is closing because of theft. You, are you sure? You don't, you, I don't want you to overstate that because it's certain places in certain areas, but it's not. It also has a lot to do with the lack of workers returning well, to office. Lack of um, workers. I mean, there are, and we've all heard well, the stories about San Francisco and different 
What was really the case here in but New the, York, for the example, mayor, that I just can... you know, Mayor Adams sat, sat right there, and I asked him about the theft going on at the very at the Walgreens CVS. He said, "Yeah, it's a real problem. It I'm is a real you, problem." I'm and they you actually, from our mayor, they know I'm not making sort of it up. Same, it's actually a very small group of people, and it's the same people, and they don't. It, it's a problem. What's but a they haven't closed any of these Walgreens. Well, I mean, look on the SL Green Conference call, they talked about the you, bail reform. I mean, that's typically yeah, not what you want. You want a you want a commercial real estate conversation. It's much more focused on office space. It's much more focused on how many uh, landlords are going to give the keys back when their loans come up and they need to be refinanced and what the banks are going to look like at that point in terms of their willingness to work with the borrowers or whether they're just going to own these buildings and then over time work their way through them. That is a a big issue. I don't want to say huge. It depends on timing. It depends on how it's done and over what time period. But it's a lot more important than whether somebody's closing on Walgreens. I had Evan Greenberg on Chubb. Now, he's the foremost insurance expert, I think, in our country. And he's saying a lot of these are owned by by insurance companies. The insurance companies obviously are big financiers of of this kind of real estate, without a doubt. Now, it's also on a lot of bank balance sheets, including a lot of regional banks. No. Well, that's when you get to the regional banks, we barely talk about them. I mean, the stocks have been kicked to the curb. And then you actually look at what they have and you realize it is more than just uh, the problems that we've had with uh, held to maturity and available for sale. A lot of these places, the bedrock aspect of them is, uh, is, is center city real estate. And, you know, we have the CEO of Prosperity Bank Shares. Carl, join us uh, on uh, last week's show on Friday. And at the very end of the interview, he talked about I think it was a $100 million real estate loan, 50% down, and he still couldn't get it approved. Right. And that Isn't just that gives something? you a sense as to the credit crunch or, or lack of credit available to the real estate but industry. He also right made now. a point to say it would be favorable to longstanding clients rather than new money that's coming right. in. I mean, the Schwab upgrade's interesting today, Jim, over at Ray J. Uh, concerns about stability have not impaired their ability to attract new accounts. Well, we see balances stabilizing beginning in Q3. Uh, yeah, we did a piece uh, two weeks ago saying, listen, the bank within Schwab is very small. So it is a great time to buy Schwab, but the, no matter what happens, there's raids on Schwab constantly. I say raids because people say, well, this bank can overwhelm the, the incredible core business they have. I don't think it can. I think Schwab represents an opportunity, but we know that it, how easy it is to spread rumors about these banks. And it's terrible what's happened, particularly, David, on some of the West Coast banks, how people just tell you, listen, stay away from that, Jim. They're, they're going to hit you on that one if you say something positive. Yeah. And you, you don't want to ever be in a situation where you're, where you're vindicating an outfit that could be raided in a second. No, it's very difficult to know. I, I, hopefully that won't be the case. And right. again, it's at least good to see a little stability in the regional bank shares. It has been. Today uh, and towards the end of last week. Well, you know, I spoke to, um, I spoke to um, first Ross. Okay. Brian Jordan, right? And, you know, it's yeah. funny. This is one where the whole thing, FHN, the whole thing was because Toronto Dominion didn't get approval, right? Yes. But the bank itself was doing quite well. Right. And it was Made not, that. it did not want an offer. Right. It really didn't, but it came, the offer came over the transom, and Brian Jordan was not going to do anything that was bad for shareholders. So now you have a company that whose stock was, was at 16, 17, 18 when they got the deal. Yeah. And now it's, now it's at, at nine. And it's the same bank with the same good balance sheet and just did a really good deal with Hibernia. But again, which Hibernia was a terrific move all the way down there in Louisiana. They're in Texas. They have terrific growth. This is Memphis is probably one of the strongest areas of the country. And look at this thing. This thing is at $5 billion. It was a $13 billion deal. 
Rather amazing. I know. There was a great deal of downside there. And again, there was not a lot of clarity in terms of exactly what regulatory hurdles TD was facing. We've subsequently learned it may have had to do with uh, with the money laundering money statutes laundering. and not and and now, not, didn't you find that curious? That I the did. Canadian money laundering. I I, in, in, I, 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 I do. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you, no, nothing. More let's than that. let's um, let's change it up and move over to biotech for a minute, guys, sure. because Sarepta Therapeutics. Well, uh, it's a company that is developing a uh, MD a therapy for Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. Um, got approval. Got approval at least, a a, or I should vote. say the panel vote, eight to six in favor of accelerating approval for the company's latest gene therapy. Remember, the panel says, and then it goes to the FDA. You never know. We've seen some, well, in the case I of that uh, case of the Biogen Alzheimer's, do you remember the panel said no, I and the FDA said I yes. Did. I was reluctant to go over this ultimately because of the panelists. Ultimately, they should have listened to the panel. But, but you're but absolutely right. In this case, it's eight six. Um, the FDA said Sarepta did not offer unambiguous evidence that therapy will benefit patients with the uh, with this horrible disease. Of course, um, very positive for Sarepta, positive for biotech overall, and then some would say should have been a positive for Catalan, a company we've talked a bit about because uh. they were in line to manufacture uh, a lot of this for them. But Catalan, these guys just keep figuring out a way to screw up a free lunch. Well, the more they, people talk they, about it, the more people realize it might be worse they, than we thought. They delayed their earnings again. So here they get this potentially good news on Sarepta getting a potential approval, looking like they're going to get approval. Well, These guys are in a position to manufacture for them, which would seem to be a positive, but then they say, now we got to delay our well, earnings Well, as again. bad as the stock of Danaher's been, I own my, own my trust, at least they didn't stub their toe and buy Catalan. It's true. Remember when that was the rumor? Yeah, of course. Of course. Holy cow. I think they Mr. Did. Rails bought the Washington, uh, he, wa- he bought uh, the Commanders, was which is holding up. That deal's holding yeah. up. Along with Josh Harrison and, and Irvin Johnson. Yeah, and Josh Harrison, you watch him X the Sixers after this. Well, that's yeah. X. Yeah, yeah. that, uh, man. No, to lose again in the seventh game of a well, okay. conference semifinals. All right, let's move, let's move past that. But you didn't make, one of your teams didn't make it to the finals. For the well, first time this okay. year. Okay, wait to see. Howie Roseman's um, got some special things coming for us. Jim, you want to talk? Uh, NRG? It seems every day we have Elliot with a new situation. Well, last week it was good. Uh, let's last go there. week it was good year. Today so small. it's I wish they NRG, bought, bought it. where they own 13% of the company, or at least they say an economic interest, right. uh, about a billion dollars. I remember when this company was. Y- Run years ago by David Crane, remember him? But uh, that's a David long time David from Princeton. Ago. He was a friend of uh, Elliot Spitzer from um, Princeton. They're talking about adding new independent directors with strong power and energy industry expertise to refresh the board. They want operations improvements, including 500 million of recurring EBITDA creative cost reductions. And they also talk about strategy and capital. Remember, allocation. they bought Vivint. They're energy, not happy about so that dumb. Vivint deal. That was um, a, you know one of these home security things like ADT. Remember, energy, they had gotten it on the right path before. Now it's just been awful. Even though the quarter was good, it didn't matter. They announced that Vivint deal for $2.8 billion in all cash. That was at the end of last year, December 6th. Not well received by shareholders. And you can see the move in the stock back in December, what happened there. And, Jim, um, Elliott is familiar with this company because they were a big shareholder back in 2017. And they changed they it for the engaged. better. They say they got what they wanted. Now they're back hoping that they can do it again. This is a fabulous company, and it also been very positive on EV. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they lost their way. When you get involved with this home security, you're 
you know, there's a lot of companies involved in that. And after a while, I mean, even Walmart's involved with home security because you can have them put things into your refrigerator. I'd rather have Walmart do that than most of the then almost everybody of my kids come into my house. Speaking of being engaged, uh, we've got engaged to Shack as that stock is now uh, back to levels from March How of last do you year. Like that, yeah, Jeez. Uh, Glenn Welling and engaged. Um, what do you think of that one? Because they want they have some interesting people. They want it's kind of an interesting group putting together. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with what their plan is at engaged in terms of what they would like to see. Maybe better, um, I mean more burgers and fries because it's so good. <laughs> It's delicious. Is it still delicious? Oh, come Remember on. Remember when it was like a delicious. special treat? I have Shake Shack. My sister and I went there when my father died. We said, let's go have a damn good meal. Mm. So wherever, you know, if there's ever going to be a day you can go have fattening food, it's that day. It is that day. I love pasta. That That's, day. you know, remember by going to Shake Shack, you do worse. Well, we know QSR has been uh, doing quite well. Oh, uh, my. pricing day. strength, unit growth, uh, productivity. AI, we, Wendy's, we talked about that I, last week. I thought people didn't make enough of that Wendy's deal because we're going to see, when you see what chat can do, it can take, I mean, I, look, I want to see, I haven't talked to MasterCard or Visa about this, but why do you need call centers? Uh, because that that's interesting to see that humans cost a lot of money. And I mean, I was at a Starbucks yesterday and the line was around the corner and I wanted to to tell Luxman, are you kidding me? I mean, people are like, they're like, I'd like a three special fight, I mean, like that people didn't know how to do it. I mean, a human would be able to communicate, but a machine would be able to tell. The machines can tell what you want. Triple Vente Cappuccino was skimming it. Oh, it's the Kramer. That's how the machine would know. Like these guys, like they didn't know. They thought I was just down there to use the facilities. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the numbers they're talking in, in five-year productivity will definitely move the needle. You'll, you'll feel that. People are misinterpreting it. Maybe in the end, the customers that do the most when it comes to AI. We all focus on the providers. I think what it's going to do to industry is going to be rather amazing. Meantime, uh, S&P down just fractional here, down a couple of points. Dow's down 60. Uh, still to come, we'll talk AI in this exclusive with Adobe CEO, Shantanu Narayan. And as we go to break, we're going to get at least a dozen Fed speakers this week. We'll get three today. Bostic and Goolsby are already done. Kashkari and Barkin later today as the two-year inches back to four. Back in a moment. Don't miss it tomorrow after the Tesla annual shareholder meeting. We're going to be sitting down with Elon Musk live from uh, headquarters in Austin for a one-on-one -on -one interview that uh, I certainly am looking forward to. I can't speak oh, for him. Sure. I think he's going <laughs> to, apparently he's in France meeting with Macron and then he comes back, does his shareholder meeting, and then we'll have a chance to talk. Um, don't miss it. Adobe expanding further into generative AI, partnering with Google's Bard. And I've got the CEO of Shantanu Ryan from Adobe himself joins us to discuss. Shantanu, it's great to see you. I'm very, people are very excited about Adobe Firefly because it's working for advertisers. It's working for merchants. Why don't you tell us how it's doing? Well, it's great to be back uh, on the show, uh, Jim. And uh, clearly, the world is abuzz with everything that's happening with uh, generative AI. And so from Adobe's point of view, we clearly see it as a expansion of our addressable market opportunity. So the first thing that we did was we said, given the amount of data that we have, how do we create a foundational model, which only a few companies in the world can do, 
to deal with images. Uh, that'll again be expanded to deal with video and animation and 3D. And that, as you point out, is called Adobe Firefly. It was designed to be commercially safe. So it's very unique and differentiated because it uh, respects the IP uh, with which you can get that piece of content. But the foundational model is just one part of what we are doing, uh, Jim. The really exciting part also is how we integrate that product. The term that's being used in the industry certainly is autopilot. And so within all of our applications, whether it's Photoshop or Illustrator or Express, you're going to see that on-ramp that generative AI does significantly enhanced through the workflow. And so uh, it's a very exciting time. Uh, enterprises can use that foundational model and also train it with their data. So whether it's NBC or Coke or somebody like a Netflix, they can enhance Adobe's model and really ensure that the data that they provide is unique only to them. And last but not least, and I think you alluded to this, I think the ecosystem of partners who are excited about partnering with Adobe, whether it's NVIDIA on the chip side, training and inference, whether it's Microsoft with Azure, or most recently something exciting with Google and how within BARD, you can now say, generate me an image and that becomes top of funnel traffic for Adobe because we can then uh, tweak that within our application. So exciting no. time for us. Oh, absolutely. Now, I thought you'd also go with the small business person because you know, you know a small business person that I know who uses it. It makes everybody look like they are the most professional of all. You can change colors. You can use your commerce system. It's a rather incredible thing for someone who might have to take four or five days to be able to change something in five minutes. And that is something that the small people have never been able to do. That's absolutely right. I mean, the whole point of technology, uh, people talk about the disruptive nature, but people don't talk enough, I think, about how it enhances productivity and democratizes the ability for people to have uh, the footprint that they want and personalize the content. I heard you talk earlier about how you wanted your personalized coffee first thing in the morning, uh, Jim. <laughs> and now we can allow every small and medium business on the planet to say, how do I get the right content? How do I personalize it for the people that I'm trying to do? And the whole process from content creation all the way out to monetization, how can we accelerate that? And so even for our digital marketing business, and as people are now dealing with all these new streaming platforms, how you get your ad tailored in the right way to the people that you want to uh, address, uh, we've accelerated that process like never before. Now, in the meantime, Shantanu, I was uh, very concerned to see while grocery prices are up, you have all the numbers for everything online. Grocery, uh, the business up year over year, but personal care up only three, but appliances down 7.1%, sporting goods down 6.4%. There's still an aversion to hard good purchasing, isn't there? Well, the Adobe Digital Index that you're referring to, uh, Jim, gives us really good visibility into what's happening uh, with commerce worldwide. And actually, if you look at the price of goods, it does appear that for eight months in a row right now that uh, inflation is uh, being under check. Uh, you point out correctly that there are different goods that perhaps you know are in demand versus where there may not be as much secular demand. But overall, I think the trend uh, associated with combating inflation, I think is a very positive trend. Sean, you know, I feel like we've been talking about the dangers of deep fakes for a long time now, and it's certainly more relevant that uh, now that the AI story is getting embraced by the street, but I just wonder if you think we are making uh, sufficient progress in regulating that and whether that needs to happen through companies or, or public policy. 
Well, Carl, uh, the real thing that Adobe has been focused on, as you're aware, is what we are calling the Content Authenticity Initiative. And it has multiple facets to it. And so when we think about it first, let me give you the uh, quick update. There are a thousand companies that have now signed up. Uh, and when you think about the content workflow, whether it's camera manufacturers or chip manufacturers up front, they are certainly saying we want the content credentials. A tools company like Adobe, when somebody creates the content, we are ensuring that the provenance of who created it and using AI to understand whether that's been altered, we've done that. On the distribution side, uh, everybody who's distributing that content is also now saying, we will continue to keep that metadata and whether it's a check mark or being able to determine whether Carl created it or Jim created it, that part has also been done. I think the last step in this content authenticity is ensuring that the customers ask for it. And how you train the customers to think about, I want to know where that piece of content came from and whether it was altered. I think that's the last step in the process, but the plumbing is really there. And I think the ask will increasingly come because as you know, AI allows you, whether it's on the audio or video, to really create any piece of content. And I think as it relates to legislation, I think there's a meeting uh, in DC, our general counsel is going to be there. I think we will certainly continue to push the envelope on that, but at the end of the day, it's the consumer trust and consumers being trained to say, I want to see that piece of content and who it came from. I think that's going to be another step in this education journey that's important for all of us, Carl. All right, Shantar, I don't want to spend just one more second, but uh, what I've seen with Firefly is, is that you don't need an advertising firm. You give the uh, you give chat what it needs, it comes up with better copy. H have you seen similar? Well, I think Firefly is incredible technology, and you know uh, our teams did this incredible job because unlike other people who perhaps uh, scraped the internet, we were very, very insistent on making sure that it was designed for commercially safe. I still think it's a step in the workflow, uh, Jim, and it'll certainly automate and it'll excel accelerate productivity. But I think that term co-pilot as opposed to an autopilot is appropriate uh, because I think people's ability to then personalize it will continue to be important for the foreseeable future. So you're right, it's this incredibly disruptive technology that uh, we've done an incredible job with, but I still think uh, that human ingenuity and ensuring that you use that is going to be a really important part in this uh, for many years to come. Well, there's a lot to watch here. I'm so glad you came on our show, Sean. So it's always great to see you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That's not too no, Ryan, who knows more than almost anybody about this <laughs> stuff, believe me, because I've seen it work myself from Adobe. It's a rather amazing advertising program. Okay, so we do have some news that's possible. Western Digital might be merging with a Japanese firm. And what this could do, by the way, uh, would really help very much Micron, because uh, these, are, uh, these companies do a certain kind of, of storage. And there's been a lot of price cutting, Western Digital, Keoxia. Uh, and you get the two and four players together, then I think you're going to see an end to a lot of the price war in memory chips, which means go buy DRAM, to go buy Micron with everything you have. Two fit, uh, yeah. Hand over fist. Well, consolidation and NAND getting some attention oh, today. Oh, my. Be good. Be good. Uh, Very good. Jim, well, busy week. You. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be Can't great wait. week. Thank you so much. We'll see you tonight. Yep. Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. As we go to break, here's some losses to start. Dow's done 106. Don't go anywhere. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 
All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer.